Well, our next guest, Patrick Morris, is known as the parenting guy. He is the host of Patrick Morris Show on iLive Radio, a single father of four, started his parenting journey uh, at a young age, growing up without his father in his life. He focused on meeting his children's needs from a what-would-I-have-wanted place, using his life experience to view life through the eyes of his children, and that has afforded him a unique perspective on child raising. Welcome, Patrick, to the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me, Maggie. With the news of Hazel McCallion's death, do you have any thoughts of uh, of Hazel and any any um, memories of Hazel that you can think of? I didn't meet her um, um, personally, but um, you know she she was always in the news. She was she definitely um, was a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, she was very spirited, and um, I loved her personality. The the one that I got to see anyhow from far. And her, the fortitude that she had to get things done, and and she didn't seem like a pushover at all. And uh, I I always admired her for that. Very sad to hear that news, and my condolences goes out to her family. Absolutely, Patrick. I feel the same way. I saw her in person uh, last year, just you know, across the way. I didn't go up to meet her, but just wiry, full of energy. Would you know? Would never have thought that she was over a hundred years old. But again, this force of nature. And a woman that just broke so many, so many barriers. Um, yeah. I want to chat about you a little bit, Patrick. So sure. you don't hear of many men who become parenting experts. So how did you get known to be the parenting guy? That was, um, you know, it, it's my friends um, growing. So I had, um, when I was in high school, my girlfriend got pregnant. And was thrust into parent, parenthood, um, and um, so I I really grew up with my daughter. Mm. Uh, she's my she's my oldest, and I uh, really grew up with her. And then when I when I did get married and had some other children, um, I grew up with them as well. And they they I would I I always said to them that they really grew me up. Um, and when my, uh, when my marriage fell apart and, um, the kids were with me and, um, you know, all my friends that surrounded me always came to me for advice. Um, they always had good things to say about, you know, what my parenting style and the type of relationship that I had with my kids. And, um, they admired the fact that my kids liked me, which I thought was, <laughs> which I thought was a funny thing. Yep. And, um, and I remember my, one, of my, one of my sons, when he was uh, maybe 10, 11, um, we were in the kitchen. We were just talking about stuff. And, and, and um, some of their friends were over. And my house was always the house that uh, all the kids came to after school. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was always uh, a lot of fun. I was always talking to them. And uh, every once in a while, one of those kids would say, you know, I wish, I wish my, my dad was like you. I wish my mom was like you. And, um, but there was a specific conversation with my son and, um, one of the kids that was at the house and, uh, we were in the kitchen, we were just talking about stuff and, uh, the child looked at, was talking to my son about some issues and, and my, I just kind of looked at him and go, why don't you talk to your parents? Mm-hmm. And they both, my son and the other kid just kind of looked at me blank with a blank stare. And I was like, what? And. And they were like, we can't talk to my parents about that stuff. 
And I'm like, why not? And then they, that's my son looked at me and said, uh, dad, they we're weird. We're not the norm. Like kids don't talk to their parents the way that we talk. And all my friends always look at me like I'm like I'm crazy or something. And uh, even my daughter, you know, my, my daughter, I talk to her about her period. I talk to her about, you know, what's going on in her life. And, and she's like, when her friends would overhear our conversation, they're like, you're talking to your dad? So what Why? Is, so Patrick, what is the <laughs> secret? What, what, what do parents need to know? I have a 16-year-old and a 10-year-old, and, mm-hmm. uh, and they're both boys. And, uh, and so what do parents need to know to break through that barrier and, uh, and to be that welcoming ear, that listening ear, that non-judgmental ear? So it's about relationship. Um, one of the things I tried to do very early on with my children from when they, from birth up until, you know, um, they became adults is, uh, just trying to make sure that I had an open, honest relationship with them. And I viewed my, me as a caretaker and me, my job was to help them discover their best selves. So if they came to me and they had some harebrained idea um, I was very calm. I listened to what they had to say. And then I'd ask questions. And the questions I would ask would be really more around helping to lead and guide them and to make them think. Because I wanted them to think. Um, and it's funny. I'll give you an example. One, one of my sons is, um, you know, he, he'll run and jump and then realize that there's nothing beneath him <laughs> when he's in the air. Uh, kind of like that wild coyote. Yep, to, yep. You know? That, that's one of my sons. My other son would be very calculating for everything. He would think about it and analyze everything. And um, I would look at their two personalities and say to myself, okay, um, they're both my children, but their personalities are so different. And I think this is where a lot of parents run into struggles is that they treat the children the same. Yeah expecting that they're just going to get it. But then when you pay attention to their personalities, your ability to be able to connect with them through your relationship is a lot easier because when you're using what you know about your child, the way they think, the way they act, the way they feel, and you address them from that human perspective, as opposed to parent-child, you do this, you do that. A lot of the kids, times children, they don't understand why. And, and as parents, we don't really, a lot of times, don't have the time to explain. It's just, we need you to do this. And so for me, I always go back to every, within everything is about the relationship that you nurture with your child. If your children if you are not talking to you, then that's an indication that they don't feel safe. Mm. I remember my... Uh, uh, I was going to say, Patrick, my, we're going to take a quick break, but I want to hear sure. more about this advice. Uh, and and then also I want to throw some of uh, the news stories at you and hear your thoughts on uh, on no how problem. we can parent better. Great advice, Patrick, that you gave us in the first segment about you know being a listening ear. I think so many times as parents we just want to we we want to wag the finger and talk talk talk, um, but being a listening ear. And I think there's the balance between you know I think my mom <laughs> I remember my mom saying I'm not your friend I'm your mother. And I think there has to be some sort of a hybrid in there somehow. Um, I want to toss some of these news stories at you, Patrick, to get your thoughts. You know, we've heard now of two cases of gangs of teenagers attacking people in the city. 
uh, the group of teen girls last year and more recently the swarm of 13-year-old boys in the mm-hmm. TTC system. Uh, this, you know, is is this a manifestation of years of lockdown and the mental health crisis that we've seen? Um, and are teenagers maybe becoming numb to just how they are interacting with people? What do you think is part of the problem here? Um, you know, from a lot of the conversations that I've had um, with uh, my 18-year-old um, about really when, when we went into lockdown, um, I was really paying attention to his mental state. I paid attention to um, what was happening with him was he basically just kind of locked himself in his room Mm -hmm. and um, was either on his devices or, you know, trying to do school from home. The isolation that I saw, the impact of the isolation on him was not a very good one. And as much as I have uh, a, 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 fantastic what i think is a fantastic relationship with my with my children i watched my son's mental health really deteriorate and and i think that a lot of uh, what's happening right now is we're seeing the the impact of that you know the social isolation um that i'm i'm one of one, one of the things my son would say to me was um that his social battery just ran out mm. and he needed to isolate himself um, or another statement that he would make, he would, he would say, you know, going outside, there was a certain amount of anxiety that he started to get because of that. And, um, I think that you're right. A lot of what we're seeing right now is a lot of pent up frustration and anger and, and also hopelessness. Cause when you talk to a lot of young people and they think about, they look at the world that they're about to inherit from the older folks, there's not a lot of hope. And um, I realized that I needed to get my son some help and I got him into counseling. And a lot of the conversations that came out of counseling for him was just how uh, helpless and hopeless he felt. And uh, when we, you know, when we see the news and we see these children who are doing some of these um, incredibly horrendous things, um, we have to ask the question, why? What's happening in the background? And a lot, you know, as parents, again, we are busy and we don't really have the time as much, but the desensitization of what children are able to see, what they're able to view, um, whether, you know, the spectrum of it is huge because everybody's got a device and everybody's glued to the device. And so that human connection is lost. And just with my own experience with my son, uh, being able to have the time and I was fortunate, you know, to be able to afford him therapy for him to go through and work through his emotions, as well as his relationship with me to be able to talk to me about what was going on with him, what he was feeling. And then through him, I heard a lot of what was happening with a lot of the kids that was in his high school Mm -hmm. and how they were struggling with everything The you know, it's, it's, it's really kind of a cra- crazy out there. I, I would say, you know, if, you, if you're if you a parent and you see any sign that you see from your child that doesn't look normal, um, 
if you're not, if you don't have that type of relationship that they can come and talk to you about everything and you can listen to them and hear them and be able to help steer them, then, um, you know, my, my 18 year old will tell you therapy is a beautiful thing yeah. because it's definitely something that helped him through what he was going through and stopped the spiraling because the, that isolation is, is re, at, at such an important point in their social development, finding their place in the world. Uh, it's it was a horrible experience that I think a lot of these these children um, don't know how to put it into context in the real world. Yeah, I, I do want to move on to another story, but um, I will say, you know, there there is a lot of finger pointing that I've heard uh, in media mm-hmm. towards the parents of the kids who have been a part of these gangs and swarmings. And I just want to say, and maybe you'll agree with me, Patrick, maybe you won't, but it's not that easy. You know, like, I mean, there are parents that are trying to do all the right things. And yet, you know, children sometimes make the decisions that uh, don't correlate with what they've heard at home. And so it's not as easy as um, as it seems. And so I feel like there needs to be support also for these parents that are wondering you know, what, where did I go wrong? What did I do wrong? How did my kid end mm-hmm. up in this circumstance? And they are trying their best, maybe have their kids in therapy and all of those things, and yet are are not listening. Okay, I want to move it, on to this story, Patrick. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a push underway to remove a section in Canada's criminal code that allows parents to hit their children. So surprisingly, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think a lot of us realize that in Section 43 in the Criminal Code, it indicates that you uh, cannot hit a child uh, on the head, uh, not with a belt, ruler, or other object, uh, not if a child is younger than two or older than 12. So there is, a, you know, a, a window Some there that is, that is permissible for you to still hit your child. Uh, and obviously not if a child has a disability uh, that inhibits their understanding. And only uh, a child can only be hit by a parent or person standing in the place of one. Um, mm-hmm. Now, this has gotten some pushback. There have been 17 bills that have tried to be passed through to repeal this part of Section 43. Because, again, it does still leave this window open for parents and guardians to still spank their children. It has been pushed back by a number of school uh, representatives or, or teacher representatives who feel like if they got involved with breaking up a fight, that they could be seen as you mm-hmm. know in, in, invoking uh, some sort of force or physical force. What are your thoughts about this? Should the government be speaking into how we punish our children? Do you think this should be repealed from the criminal code? Um, I, you know, I think for something like this, there should definitely be some guidelines. Um, if one of the things that I've, I've had parents ask me this question, one of the things I've always say is, if you're going to discipline your child, and um, it, you know, far be it for me to to tell somebody not to um, not to spank their child, mm-hmm. um, it, it is a, if if that's something if that's a road that you're going to go down, then make sure that you're not doing it from an angry place. Mm. Uh, make sure that the child understand what's happening. Um, should the government get involved in, in, in something like this? I think so. I think that there should be guidelines um, because, um, you know, some of the guidelines that, that you've listed that is out there in public knowledge, um, 
that unfortunately not everybody's aware of. Yeah. Um, some of those things are there to protect the child. But then there is, like you said, there is also a big push to, to, to um, uh, make it illegal to spank your child. But then you have some parents who are looking at it saying, my, my child's out of control. I, you know, this is the only tool that I've got in my toolbox. Well, now we have another conversation that really needs to, to have about parenting. It's funny that there, you know, there are a lot of handbooks that are out there, but when you when you have a child, there's no guidebook that kind of comes along with it, instructional manual to say this is the best way to do this. Um, if I will always say, if you if you believe that you're doing all the right things and you're still having tra- trouble with your children, then you know outside assistance is is often required because there might be something that someone else can see that you're not able to to see. Yeah. At for you know. But again, for the government to get involved, I, I think it's a good idea for there if it's going to be allowed for there to be some guidelines around it. It shouldn't just be a free for all. Patrick, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hope to have you back on the show at some point. Um, all you've got to do is ask. <laughs> Thanks again, Patrick. That was Patrick Morris, the parenting guy. He is the host of the Patrick Morris Show on iLive Radio. You're listening to Toronto This Weekend on 640 Toronto.